Today we are in the book of Genesis, um, not the whole book. Uh, I know it is first of January. We won't do the whole book to get today, but we uh, we are going to be in Genesis uh, chapter thirty-two, especially. And as I have visited with several of you, a lot of you over time, and even in my personal thoughts, sometimes when thinking about th- about faith, do you ever ask? that question like, why do I struggle with faith so much? Why do I struggle with it so much? Do you see even in yourself like these doubts that linger? And maybe when you come to church, I've heard this very often, is you come to church and you look around and it seems like everybody has their stuff together. And you look at your own life and you go, I don't have it together. Anybody been there before? Or you look at the church and you say, everybody looks like they had their stuff together, but I know they don't. And so they're pretending like they have it together. Life can be so hard. Faith can be so hard at times. I remember my, my brother coming to me one time, and, he, and uh, he's a good Christian guy, a deacon in his church, and he said, you know, Marcus, I think you have the gift of faith. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's because it's so easy for you to believe. You're always believing and trusting. I said, what? Like, you don't know what's going on in here and here. I thought I was just the opposite of that. I thought I did not have any kind of gift of faith. Maybe you're there as well today. You struggle. You struggle to believe. But maybe you are under the assumption as many of us are, that once you came to faith, once you put your, you said, you, you came forward, you were baptized, that you would all of a sudden grow wings and that you would be on an upward trajectory towards heaven. And then you find yourself skimming the ground. <laughs> what happened? I thought everything was going to be peaches and cream. But it's not like that, is it? Faith is not like that. In the Bible, when we uh, look at the stories in the Bible, rarely do we ever have an expose of one person, right? It just kind of skims over the facts and the details. We hear uh, bits and pieces of narrative over hundreds and even thousands of years. But rarely do we get to see, except for for like in the life of Jesus, uh, a day-to-day kind of thing. Well, we do in the story of a man by the name of Jacob. And today, he is going to be the patriarch of struggling with faith. A patriarch is, comes from that word patre, it's the, a father. And the beginning of Genesis sees the creation story, and then the next section is the, the new beginnings of a new people of God, the people of God. And we meet the patriarchs, the patriarchs of faith. The first patriarch that we meet is Abram, whose name becomes Abraham. And God is going to have an encounter with Abraham in which basically he's saying, I'll be your God and you can be my people. You have faith in me and I provide for you. And from this relationship, Abraham, I'm going to give you certain promises. And one of those promises is you are going to be a father of 
many nations, changing his name from Abram to Abraham, to be the father of many. So Abraham is going to be the father of many people. He's going to have a land of his own, and there are going to be worshipers after God. Certain promises were given to Abraham that he had to receive in faith. Now, as he's received these promises that also included that he will be, uh, those who bless him will be blessed and those who cursed Abraham would be cursed, that Abraham had, had, Abraham had to trust even though he could not see the fulfillment of those promises. So when God told Abraham, my covenant with you, my promises to you are I will provide, uh, many nations will come from you, Abraham had to look around and say, but my wife is 90 years old and we don't have any children. The promises did not connect with what was experienced and known by Abraham. He only had to trust in God's word. He had to have faith. And God accomplished these good works in Abraham. Even though he couldn't see them, he had provided those things. Even those things that were not seen in his lifetime were in the future provided for Abraham has a son, and that son is a son of promise, and his name is Isaac. And then Isaac has two sons. His wife, Rebecca, became pregnant, and they had twins. And the Bible says, in her womb, these two twins were wrestling. Now, we've had a lot of kids. And to watch... The one baby, in just elbows and feet going every direction. But can you imagine two, and they're fighting? <laughs> Poor Rebecca. I mean, it must have been miserable. From this womb, from this birth, there will be two nations that will war against each other. And so she gives birth. And many of you know this story. The first child comes out, and his name is Esau, because he already he's one of them hairy kids, and his hair is red. And so Esau and Edom, those are the words for red. So he's, he's this red, hairy baby. And as he's coming out, holding onto his heel as if he's trying to pull him back, is the second born. And his name, because he's pulling on his brother, because he has the heel of his brother, which is a euphemism in, the, in that day for a usurper, someone who takes from another, someone who does it through, through uh, a devious means. And so he's holding on, and they call him Jacob, which means one who grasps the heel or one who is a deceiver. So you got hairy, hairy red baby, <laughs> and you got the deceiver. And truth, true to his namesake, Jacob grows up, and he is one who deceives. Esau is this big, rugged guy, and Jacob is someone who hangs around the tents with his mom and with the, with, with the workers, and he cooks, and, and he's not like his brother. And many of you know, as this story goes, there's one day that Jacob is, is cooking uh, some bean soup, and his brother is out doing his brother kind of things. And he comes back and he is famished. And he comes to his brother and he smells all this good food. And he says, let me have a bowl of that. And he said, no, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a bowl. He's such a sweet brother. You don't have any kids like this? I'll give you a bowl 
if you will give me your birthright. And Esau says, well, what good is my birthright if I die? So give me the bull. And he gave him his birthright. And the Bible says after that, and after that, Esau despised his birthright. What is the birthright? This birthright is the promise to the firstborn. But it also carried with the promises given to Isaac, the promises that were given to Abraham. And they are now passed down to the family line. So he has given away the promises of God. Esau has been, he gives away the promises of God. But he does it because of Jacob. And Jacob will do anything for a blessing. Do you hear me, church? Jacob will do anything for a blessing. The story goes on that as the days pass, you know, there's a still a struggle between these brothers And Isaac, their dad, gets old. He can't see. And it is a time for him to give the blessing before his parting. And so he calls in the firstborn, Esau. He's already lost his birthright, but now he has a second thing to give him. He can pray a blessing over him. So he calls in Esau and says, now is the time of blessing. Go into the forest again. Go and and I want you to to kill something and cook it just the way I like it and bring in the the bacon wrapped with the jalapeno thing that I like so much and, and I'll eat that and I'll give you the blessing. And so he goes away and does that. Meanwhile, mom hears about this and says, Jacob, this is what I want you to do. Dad's about to give the blessing. I'm going to cook up this goat stew, something or another, and I'm going to cover you with with, with the hair from that goat so when he touches you, he'll think he's your hairy brother. And I want you to go in there, and he can't see you because he's nearly blind, and try to win the blessing from him. And so Jacob says, okay. And he does it. And he dresses up, they bring the food, they take it to Isaac, and there he is, uh, nearly almost completely blind, and he says, come in, my son. And he says, Dad, I have this for you. And he says, you don't sound like Esau. And he extends his arm, and he feels his arms. Ah, okay, okay, it's Esau. And he begins to give this blessing to him, and he says this blessing. He says, let the peoples serve you. Let the nations bow down to you. Be Lord of your brothers, and may your brothers bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and bless everyone who blesses you. Does that ring a bell? Does that ring a bell of the promises given to Abraham and Isaac? So now he's giving these great blessings, calling upon the favor of God upon him, how the family will be ordered, so that all will understand his special place in the household that was given to Esau, but taken by Jacob, because Jacob will do anything to get a blessing. Anything. Jacob leaves. You hear the music playing in the background as Esau enters in. Hey, I brought the food for you, Dad. What? Who is this? It's Esau. Then who is, it's almost like they say it together, Jacob, Jacob. Esau commits to kill his brother, kill his brother. Jacob runs off. He's sent away by mom and dad to go to a familial land away from Esau so that Jacob is not killed. 
Bible says he basically just has the staff in his hand. And he goes to that place, and, and in that place he finds love. He finds a lady by the name of Rachel, and she's a beautiful woman. And as much as Jacob was a Jacob, so is his new, his new father-in-law. He was a Jacob too. And so he says, yes, you can marry my daughter. And so for seven years he was required because he had no dowry, he had no money to pay in order to marry this woman. He works for seven years for Laban. And then on the wedding night, he covers his older daughter, Leah, and brings him to Jacob. Can you imagine the sound that went out the morning, the next morning? When he realized he had the wrong one. And he says, Laban, what have you done? And Laban says, well, in our land, you can't marry the older one before you, you can't marry the younger one until you've married the older one. So I gave you the older one. He says, but if you will spend this one week with, with Leah, the next week I'll give Rachel to you if you will work for seven years. Seven more years, 14 years in total. So Jacob agrees. But the drama doesn't stop there. If you thought you had drama at your family reunions, don't. This was, this was worse. Not only does he work for him that seven years, but he continues to work for him, and 10 times he changes his wages. Now, many of you... When you had jobs before, you may have had them change the, uh, how you're doing the work. They may say, like, okay, I know I told you you're not doing weekends, but now you're doing weekends. I know you weren't going to get Christmas, you were going to get Christmas off, you're not getting Christmas off. I know you expected a raise, but you're not getting one. Ten times Laban does this to Jacob. But God is still gracious to Jacob and allows his flocks to increase even though Laban's do not. And finally, he gets to have so many possessions that he has to divide in two different camps. And while Laban and his men are out working in the fields, they sneak away. And as they sneak away, God speaks to Jacob and he tells them, I want you to go home. I want you to go back to the home of the promise. I want you to go back to your father's land. Laban then follows after him and finally catches up with him. Laban realizes when he comes home that his Daughters are not there, that his grandchildren are not there, and that they've even taken the idols out of his house. And he chases after them and finally reaches up, out, uh, up to them. And right before he speaks with Jacob, God speaks to Laban and says, don't mess with him. Don't speak either good or bad once you get to Jacob. And so Laban doesn't attack him, but he says this. He says, from now on, let's make a covenant Let's make a boundary. I won't go past this boundary and don't you come back this way either. So Jacob now goes forward towards his homeland. And this is where this, the story really picks up steam. Because as they start moving towards his homeland, one of his men comes back and says, we've spotted a big group of people. And it's Esau. Esau. Jacob is upset. He said, now, go find out what they want. They go out, he goes back, he goes to Esau, and he comes back, and he says, all they will tell me is they're coming your way. 
and there's 400 fighting men. Jacob is hemmed in from the back and from the front. He's stuck. He can't go anywhere. And so as Esau approaches, his people approach him, he he begins to think, okay, okay, what would I do? What would I do? How am I going to get out of this situation? So this is what he does. He divides his people into two. He sends Leah, the wife that he doesn't like so much, her people go first, and then after that come Rachel's people. And they put all of the lesser animals up to the lesser children, up to the greater children, and then after them is Leah. And he does the same thing with Rachel. And the hope is that when they come into contact with Esau, that Esau, if he's going to kill somebody, he'd kill them first, and then the rest of them can get away. What a, what a great man, right? And so he hangs out at the back. And that night he crosses over the river Jabbok. And he goes to the other side. And in Genesis chapter 32, 24, it says this. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob... He touched Jacob's hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Because Jacob will do anything for a blessing. You see, Jacob was in a real spot right here. He knew he was called to go back to his land to promise, but there was something in his way. Esau was going to kill him. And so God comes in the form of this man, in the form of an angel. It's a weird kind of thing. We don't exactly what is happening there. And and God wrestles with Jacob. And he wrestles throughout the night. When you look at the Bible, there isn't any other situation in which God is known as wrestling. Like, this is it. This is a unique story. And God is wrestling with Jacob. And Jacob is wrestling with him. And God then touches him on the side. And it's it's as if Jacob is winning. You kind of go, how can that be? How can Jacob wrestle with God and in any way be winning? And I think about when I'm wrestling with my kids. You know, they can be winning. Until there's a lesson to be learned, right? And so... They're wrestling, God is wrestling with him, and then it's as if he just touches his hip to say, don't forget who I am. And so Jacob has his his hip out of place, but even though he he can hardly move, Jacob holds on and holds on and won't let him go until he receives a blessing. And then this, this man says to him, he asks him, What is your name to Jacob? And Jacob says, Jacob. You see, it was in this moment that I think there's a great realization on Jacob's part. Like all that he had done to receive a blessing up to this point was to figure out how to manipulate other people, how to connive to get his own way. And so when the... When, the, when this man speaks to him and says, what is your name? It, he's putting out in bright lights, 
Jacob is having to admit, I am a deceiver. I am a liar. I'm a trickster. I'll do whatever I can to receive what's good for me. He has to confess. But then the man says with grace, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. The word Israel, El is the word for God. And Isra actually is the word Sarah. It's like the word Sarah, which means to fight. Israel means to fight with God, to struggle with God. From now on, Jacob, your name is Israel. Because you have struggled with God, you've held on. Then the man, then Jacob says to the man, please tell me your name. The man says, why is it you ask my name? And there he blessed him, as if to say, you know who I am. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Then the sun rose up on him as he passed Penuel, limping because of, his, because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Okay. Struggling with God. The next day, I want you to watch what happens. Jacob calls his family together and he marches with Rachel towards Esau. Do you see the difference here? He had Leah and their family. He had, now he had Rachel. And now he leads, instead of being at the back, he leads the family. And he leads with a limp. And as he goes, he brings all kinds of, of gifts to him, all kinds of animals and goats and sheep and it says milking camels, which I've had camel milk. It's not very good, but they seem to enjoy it. And so he brings all of these gifts to Esau and brings his family with him. I, I want you to see what is happening here there was a promise that was given, that was stolen by Jacob, this birthright, that all of the possessions would be given to, should be given to Esau, would be now taken by Jacob. And what Jacob now does is he's saying, you know, all these things that I stole from you, I'm giving them back to you. You can have all of these things. And Esau says, no, I, I don't want your stuff. He says, no, take it. <laughs> take this stuff. It is a mea culpa. It is a, uh, my bad. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Take these things. So he gives them all of these possessions. And then he continues to walk and he comes to the face of Esau. And at the face of Esau, he bows himself seven times. Do you remember what the blessing that he stole 
from, uh, from Isaac, he stole from, from Esau, said that the brothers would bow down to them, they would serve them. And what he's saying is, I'm serving you, I'm serving you, I'm serving you to the seventh degree. I will be your servant. This is a de- different kind of Jacob. This is an Israel. He's an Israel. He has been changed by his his struggling with God. And now he walks not in his own strength, but in his weakness to meet with Esau. Because the answer, the solution to this problem will not be found by conniving. It won't be found by his power, but by the power of God. And that is the power that he walks in. Brothers and sisters, do you see this kind of faith that we're learning from Israel? This faith that says, I don't have to make it happen. I don't have to to get my blessings. But I can trust in God that he is going to win the day. Do you see that his faith is a struggle with God? And it wouldn't stop there. That you and I, our faith in God is going to be a struggle. Amen. You are going to struggle with God. But never let go. Never let go. That's the difference between a Jacob and an Israel. And God has called us to be the children of Israel. God's people, who although we struggle with God, we struggle because our flesh tells us one thing, but we know there's another thing that's right with God. We struggle. We struggle. We have a hard time believing sometimes. We don't see the landscape doesn't look like the promises of God. We are hemmed in from the from the backside and the front side, and we say, I don't know how there can ever be a way out. I'm struggling with faith. Israel, children of Israel, people of God, struggle with your faith. Struggle with God. But never let go. This is the life of Israel. This is the life of God's people. And so as you are are having turmoil inside, Know that this is the way of God's people. That he has called us out to be this kind of people. Faith looks like struggling with God. Faith requires us to walk with a limp. Not not in pride, but in humility. Faith means humility and perseverance. So, brothers and sisters, is we all struggle. No, that's the name of the game. It's faith. Trust in the promises that you do not see. You know, when we were, when we were baptized, when we came to faith and we were baptized, we were thinking maybe, like, life would be easy. Faith isn't easy. Faith faith is a struggle. And so every day we have to remember the promises of God that we have been regenerated, that we, we have been born again. 
We have to claim those promises and hold on to them because we can't see them. We have to trust what God has said. We have, we have to trust that he is going to make a way for us. We have to trust that there is hope in him. We have to believe, even though the things around us speak against that. Faith is a struggle. We believe in the promises that God says he works out all things for the good who love him and are called according to his purposes. Faith is a struggle. So brothers and sisters, as we leave from this place and you have struggles through the week, I want you to remember Jacob and I want you to remember Israel. But most of all, I want you to remember that our God is faithful and good and he fights with us and fights for us and that he will see us to the end. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for uh, this story of Jacob turned Israel and I am thankful for there being so many souls in this room who've had a similar experience of both redemption and reconciliation. Lord, as you make all things right. Lord, I would imagine in a group this size too, there are those who have not put their faith in you, who have not experienced this and have no hope, have no future. So Lord, I ask that you would continue to convict them of their sins and their need for you. And Lord, they would turn to you today. Lord, find faith and walk with you for eternity. We bless the name of our Lord, and in his name we pray, amen.